Would you like to exchange best practices and ideas to improve care, enhance operational efficiency, and address financial challenges with your peers? Becker's Healthcare is facilitating these conversations at their 8th Annual Health IT, Digital Health, and RCM meeting. You can check your eligibility for complimentary attendance at the link in the description. We are excited to welcome you in October. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Clara Lynn, Associate Vice President and Chief Medical Information Officer at Seattle Children's. Dr. Lynn, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Now, I know we have a lot to talk about. There's so many fascinating things happening in healthcare today, and that bridge between clinical care and technology and digital tech is, you know, just moving very rapidly. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Clara, and I am the Chief Medical Information Officer, um, or the CMIO, here at Seattle Children's. Um, I've been here for about a year. Prior to this, I was a physician informaticist at UCLA, um, where I, you know, um, did a lot of informatics works and eventually became board certified in the specialty of clinical informatics. Um, clinically, I am trained as an internal medicine pediatrics physician, and I practiced at UCLA um, as a primary care med peds physician for almost eight years prior to moving to Seattle. And because I work for a children's hospital, now I just work primarily as a primary care pediatrician. Got it. Wow, yeah. that's fantastic to hear. Thanks. Yeah, it's been it's been super exciting. And you know, it's um when I was a at UCLA as a med peds physician, I saw patients from all different age ranges. My my oldest patient was 95 years old, my youngest patient was, you know, I was taking newborns pretty much every every week. Um, but here it's not, not having the adult population in my patient panel. It's just, a, it's a, something that I have to get used to, but, I, but I'm really enjoying my, my clinical work here also. That's amazing to hear. And, you know, definitely, um, I can imagine taking that leap from being a clinical informaticist and seeing patients from across the board to now, you know, focusing on the pediatric patients and taking a larger role with chief medical information officer on the administrative side. What has that been like? And, and what's really been gratifying for you uh, jumping into that larger leadership role? Yeah, that's a really great question. So, um, I, I still practice um, for a small portion of my time. I, I see patients once a week here. And, and I, I think I will never not see patients. I will never not practice clinically. I think as an informaticist and also as a CMIO, it's really important for us to, um, or at least for me, to, to really understand what it's like to practice in our environment using our technology, using our system, and really get to know the pain points and the, and the, and the, the upside and advantages um, myself and as a user and be able to sort of translate that information and that experience into um, something more concrete like tickets for our IT friends or to conversations with our IT and other administrative teams. And, and um, in the CMI role compared to before where I was a physician informaticist, um, what I get to experience now, especially at Seattle Children's, is that collaboration with other healthcare leaders within our organization. So our other um, our other VPs, for example, in, in the healthcare system. And that really has helped me sort of facilitate my work and really broaden my perspective in terms of how certain decisions that we're making for the EHR or to a physician's workflow can impact the, the organization at large. So, so that's been a huge um, eye-opening experience and, I, and I've um, really enjoyed it. That's amazing to hear and, and definitely love to see just a larger impact and, and really what uh, what it takes to um, 
be leading an organization and, and leading the team that's really doing a lot for patient care. Now, given your responsibilities as Chief Medical Information Officer, what are some of the opportunities that you see as Seattle Children's as well as the headwinds that you have your eye on right now? Yeah, so I think this is not just at Children's here, but also everywhere um, in the country in the healthcare world. I think clinician wellness is probably one of the biggest opportunities that we can work on. And of course, artificial intelligence is one of those um, topics that are just happening, really evolving so rapidly around us right now that we have to make sure that we're, we're adding healthcare into the conversation. Um, and then the intersection between those two things. So there's a, a lot of opportunity in helping improve efficiency in using these sort of advanced health IT tools that can then in turn improve our clinicians' wellness. So really keeping an eye on what AI and what machine learning-based tools can, can be um, used and incorporated into our EHR in the near future. And um, speaking of AI, I feel like this is, I, I could go off on tangent on this all the time, but so bear with me. Um, everyone talks about ChatGPT and GPT-4 and all the mainstream media stories that it's making right now, right? But um, really to me, I mean, it's, it's an extraordinary time in, in technology, but to me, what's even more interesting, not only is the technology itself amazing, but the competition that this has sparked in the market is really speeding up the development of these tools. So for years and decades, everyone's been talking about AI, everyone's been talking about machine learning, but as soon as ChatGPT was unveiled and then the partnership with their, with Microsoft was announced, and you see all the other tech giants sort of really upping their game and announcing their own version of AI-assisted search tools. And so really to me as a consumer of all of this, really we should take advantage of that. Like all of these really rapidly evolving technology that are trying to be accessible and available to the average user like myself, it's really been enjoyable for me to watch all that sort of spin up um, around us. And then the tools that they've created, you know, um, in association with, with these core technology, the tools that have, have been developed um, and how we can sort of incorporate into, into healthcare. That's a really great point. And definitely thinking through what ChatGPT has done, you know, it's changing so quickly. I feel like there's a new iteration every day or two here and, yeah. and what can be really meaningful um, yeah. for industries and especially in healthcare. So I love that idea that the competition is really bringing things forward and making AI mm -hmm. um, super relevant in, in ways to really improve healthcare and healthcare delivery. Now, with for that sure. in mind, how do you think about growth and development, as well as adding value to Seattle Children's overall, whether it's, you know, with some of these new AI capabilities or or other ways that really make a lot of sense um, for you in, in seeing where healthcare is headed. Yeah, so I think, of course, advancing and innovation in technology is um, is really important and that, that will always take us to the next level. There's also a lot of things outside of technology that I get to experience as a physician and um, sort of hear and see from our, our provider and, and nurse colleagues that are outside of technology that can be improved and that can really help us grow and add value to, to the organization. So, um, so things like, excuse me, like team-based care, right? Like for example, we, we have to think about when we're seeing a patient, it's really beyond just what the physician or the provider or the nurse that are interacting with the patient, but it's the whole sort of system surrounding that patient and everybody in that team, including the patient themselves, really working at the top of their license or the top of their ability can really take the entire health system in a larger scale to a whole nother level. And so um, if we're thinking about 
for example, um, in basket, just because it's top of my mind, I was just helping someone fix this issue early this morning. A patient, you know, in the most basic setup, if we're talking about the super most um, elementary sort of setup in a, in a portal, the patient selects the their primary care physician, for example, as the receiver of their email. So it's almost like a one-to-one email. They email their provider, hey, what's the progress on my orthopedic um, referral? Then the provider sort of digs through the system, you know, figure out the answer and then emails the patient back and say, hey, your, your referral is in the queue or it's been approved. You can call this number to schedule. But if we sort of take that one-to-one relationship away and then really use a team to, to help configure this out, then the patient, starting with the patient, so the patient first has to decide, when I, what am I emailing the doctor about today, right? If it's about a referral, then maybe I can select from a drop-down menu that this is about a referral, not just about anything else. So if this is about a referral, I want to know what, what, what the process is, on, progress is on my orthopedic surgeon's referral. Then that message, because it's already tagged as a referral, doesn't go straight to the provider, but then it goes to the referral coordinators in basket instead. The coordinator then checks it and realizes that, hey, maybe there is an old referral in the system that's already expired. Let me forward this to the provider's nurse to help me just renew that with a, with a, sign, a nurse signature. Or maybe there is no mention anywhere in the patient's chart that they should be seeing orthopedics. Then this truly is a provider-appropriate message. And it goes to the provider and say, hey, should the patient be clinically seeing the, the, um, the orthopedic? Is that even a clinically appropriate? Then, you know, then that's when the provider gets involved and then, you know, has a conversation with the patient on why they're seeing the orthopedic surgeon, puts in the appropriate referral, and then that is the end of the story. So, so I think that, that, that whole process involving a team is a much more effective and efficient way for the patient to receive the answer that they ultimately want, which is, do, should I see an orthopedic surgeon and where is that referral going? So obviously that's just one really small example, but if we can apply that concept of team-based care to a larger context, you can start to see why it's, it can really improve efficiency and quality and even the value of the care that we're providing. Absolutely. I, I think that's really a great point. And definitely having that coordination to um, with the clinical team as well as with the patient uh, makes the experience so much better and, and boosts the quality of care too. So I think that's such a great example of, of what you can do simply and easily to make a big difference. Now, I know as we've talked through a little bit um, right now, whether it's some challenges um, on the workforce side in, in other headwinds that may be coming our way, you know, healthcare resources are pretty uh, precious these days yeah. and they always are. Um, but from your perspective, where do you really see as being a great area where it's still important to make investments or take risks um, within the healthcare space and in, in, uh, to really improve and, and grow the organization overall? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. And I think the number one investment that I think is really worth making, um, in my opinion, as a CMIO and as a physician, is clinician wellness. And I'm speaking very broadly, not just for physicians, but for providers and nurses also. It's a lot of times, especially in financially challenging times, like we're all in right now for most healthcare systems, we're trying to find ways to do more with less or to improve efficiency or to automate things to you know try to um, reduce the the nurse to patient ratio or to the doctor to patient ratio or whatever it is right trying to do more with less but without doing it really thoughtfully um, in designing these new processes or workflows or, te- or technologies out a lot of times these proposals can have 
and unfortunate collateral damage on physician um, clinician burnout or clinician wellness in general. And that is in itself a cost to the to the organization. A lot of times we don't think about that. So it's not really just the cost of having to replace a nurse or a provider that leaves their position because of burnout, but there's a lot more costs associated with someone leaving their position. So there's a cost of onboarding the new staff, the time that it takes for that new staff to then get to the level of expertise and producing a comparable level of ROI. It takes a lot of time for that person to get to get up to speed. And then, of course, the patient safety and then the quality of care that suffers during this transition period. And the more transition you do at the same time across the organization, the tougher it is on our patient's quality. I mean, not on safety and quality. And so, so I think there is a definitive cost that we can calculate with um, staff attrition or staff burnout. And, and that's something I think is definitely worth investing and, and worth um, thinking into. And so for me personally, any project that comes through my desk, and this is kind of my personal true north or my, my true north um, for our um, for my team, my, my medical ethics team here is any project that passes through us, we have to, of course, think through the problem and help diagnose and, and, and help sort of figure out the intervention that we want for the problem that's presented to us. But at the same time, always passes that through three filters. One is how does this affect clinician wellness or clinician burnout. Two is how does this impact health equity? And then the third, is, of course, is patient safety and quality. And so, so with those three in mind is how sort of I, I um, try to guide some of our projects in the organization in, in hoping to sort of, sort of um, bring some attention and also um, make some investment into, into clinician wellness. And um, and then of course I, I I'm the other side of my job is a primary care physician and so I will always advocate for more investment in primary care. Um, primary care truly to me is the foundation of a health system, and then having a healthy primary care base will really ensure that the health system can grow safely. Absolutely, those are all great points, and especially you know you're talking through the clinician wellness and in figuring out you know what technology can do to augment and support the clinicians who are so um, stressed right now, um, and especially mm-hmm. not seeing a ton of opportunities for reinforcements coming in the future. But then, to your last point on primary care, I think is so so critical. Um, you know, that's a hard problem that, uh, you know, will take a lot of time and and effort to really change and see more um, investment in the primary care space. But, you know, when you're looking at what could um, the that healthcare be redesigned, I guess, around the primary care spot and and really um, giving primary care the emphasis that it needs, you know, are you seeing any movements in that direction? Or or what do you really, um, when you think about primary care, what would be the ideal state to be in, um, you know, as things go forward? Yeah, and you know, for, that's a really good question. So I I think primary care in a metropolitan area where um, where, like, for example, in Chicago or in Los Angeles or even, even in Seattle, access to specialty care often is not super difficult. And so for someone to, um, who has a broken ankle, since we're talking about orthopedics, they could pop- potentially go in and see their adult um, orthopedic surgeon pretty easily. They don't have to go through a primary care, especially if you have an insurance that doesn't require you to, to get a referral from, from your primary care physician. But in primary care is really truly the fastest way for us to increase access and to really help with health equity in any community. And so 
So um, whether whether it is a big metropolitan or even in a rural community, right? like so when someone doesn't have the access to the specialist, then they have to go through their primary care doctor, and their primary care doctor is trained to help sort of triage and, and help figure out some of these issues and whether they do need to see the orthopedic surgeon or not. Or maybe I can help you brace your your ankle and wrap your ankle up so that you can rest. You know. Um, and doing sort of some really basic work up there. So, so I do think that having um, a, a really healthy sort of primary care base, base is, is a uh, really important strategy in improving access um, and also improving equity of, um, of our, sorry, our health healthcare equity. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's definitely is such a great point. And you know, before we wrap up here, I, I just wanted to ask another question um, around looking to the future in, in your role as uh, CMIO. How do you see that growth and development for you? You know, where do you see that CMIO role headed, um, as well as when you're working with your teams? What do you need more of, and how will things change over the next year or two? Oh, wow, that's a really good question. So, the CMIO role and it's in involvement, it's kind of what you're asking, like the evolution and, and the, the way that we're approaching these roles, right? So, so I think I've been thinking quite a lot about this because I'm coming up one year in the CMIO role at Seattle Children's. And I think that physician informaticists in general, but also CMIOs, we typically like to approach questions that are brought to us or challenges in the health um, system or the organization in an almost clinical fashion. So we'll start with the patient, right? In, in our case, at the health system or the organization, and then their chief complaint. So if their chief complaint is the growth or the value improvement or pain points or burnout, we start there. And then we do that by doing a really deep dive into their issue. So if it's a real patient sitting in front of us talking to us about their their eczema, for example, then we'll do, we'll take a history, right? We'll listen to their story. We'll talk to the parents. We'll talk to their family members and then even check some blood work, right? Or even get some radiology images if it's really that, you know, get, if, it, if that's required. But in an inf informatic sort of analogy, then we're talking about identifying and engaging in the stakeholders or understanding and observing the workflows that, that, that are the problems or doing a root cause analysis or, um, or you know, even getting, like getting blood work in a real patient, we'll start gather all the data that we need to help facilitate us in making the final assessment. So then we get to the assessment phase and make the diagnosis. What is the organization or the systemic problem that we're trying to solve here? And always starting with that, then we propose sort of our treatment plan or our intervention. So like with the real patient sitting in front of us, not every medication or every procedure that is proposed will be the most appropriate for everybody. So what is the risk and the side effect of pursuing this intervention and this treatment? What is the risk of not pursuing this solution? Um, and so because we are, as informaticists and CMIOs, we're dealing with system systemic issues, we have to have these larger conversations. But, but really approaching these issues, whether it's growth or value or innovation or, you know, taking our organization to the next level, I, I almost approach it in a very clinical way. And all these advances in health, te health technology and all these new tools like AI and machine learning are just additional things for me as the physician to use in helping diagnose the problem and figuring out the solution for the patient. So, so, so that's kind of how I see it. Um, and as I mentioned, 
artificial intelligence, machine learning has been around for years and even decades, but it's really gone, really being developed at a really unprecedentedly rapid phase right now. And me as a consumer, as a physician, to be able to tap into that technology and help our organization um, use that to, to, to our advantage is, is something that I'm really looking forward to do. That's amazing. I love that. And definitely the future is bright. Dr. Lim, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun conversation and I'm excited to have you at our uh, October Health IT, Digital Health and RCM event as well. I think there'll be a lot of great panels and conversations there too. So it'll be awesome to have your perspective and dig deeper into some of these topics. Thank you so much. This was so fun.